And in Malachi chapter 3, it starts by saying, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And right off the bat, that was an encouragement to me because it reminded me of the language that we read about in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, where the disciples were gathered together seeking the Lord. And suddenly, the Lord um, came from heaven as the sound of a mighty rushing wind and filled the place. And they were all blessed to be anointed with the Holy Spirit at that time. But it's uh, it reminded me of that occurrence where suddenly the Lord came to his people. It says here, the Lord whom ye seek, and that's what we're doing here in prayer, shall suddenly come to his temple, shall suddenly come to his people. We are his temple. And that, that gives me encouragement, actually, because there is a sense where we are praying and we're seeking the Lord, and like the disciples were, and the promise here is that the Lord shall come. And the Lord shall come in a way that we are surprised, perhaps. It's unexpected. This word here suddenly has the thought of unexpected. It's a little bit like when the disciples were, the church was praying for Peter, right? They were praying and praying for Peter. And then the answer came and it was unexpected. It caught them off guard. It was a surprise, but the answer did come. And I look at a prayer meeting like this where we have been praying for the Lord to break through and um, manifest his presence in a new and remarkable way to us personally, of course, but then much beyond us, to our families and to our churches. And the comfort here is that perhaps when we least expect it, it's not something we can schedule. It's not something we can predict and say it's going to happen on this day. We are on what, day 168? It's going to happen on day 200. Nice round number. No? It's when we least expect it. The Lord shall come. He shall come suddenly. But He shall come. And it's, re- and it's in response to our praying. That's the part that I want to emphasize. It begins by prayer. The Lord whom ye seek shall come suddenly. And may it be so. May it be that one of these times, perhaps, when we're meeting together like this, it seems a little routine, but maybe one of these times the Lord shall come suddenly and in a remarkable way. Now, I want to also apply this in, a, in, a, in another way because I believe the Lord has come multiple times. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that the Lord has actually met with us many, many times. So it's not as if the Lord has not already answered this. He has come, and I get the benefit of seeing correspondence. Rick gets the benefit of seeing correspondence. Um, especially in the last number of days, some of you all have been very kind in writing 
very, very kind notes. The Lord has come to many many of you. The Lord has absolutely come. He's changed your lives. Um, that's, what is that? But the Lord's presence invading our space and changing us. The Lord has come. Praise the Lord. We want to give glory where glory is due. The Lord has come. But what we're praying for is something in a larger scale. We're praying for something in our churches. We're praying for something beyond our own experience into the lives of our own children, especially, and families. Yes, so we continue to seek the Lord. What will be the effect of the Lord's coming to his people, his temple? We read that in verse 2. It says here, He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. So what is the the effect? When the Lord comes, what happens when he comes? Well, it gives two images here of fire and soap. And these communicate purification. Purification. In fact, in the next verse it says, He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, etc. So when the Lord comes, it's not just this... um, this euphoric feeling that we enjoy. This is not a um, an experience of mere feeling. He comes with a specific purpose. He comes to purify. Now, in the in the context of this, you know, the intertestamental period, you had four hundred years of declension. You know, you don't have a prophet speaking the word of God. You don't have that active washing of the preaching of the prophets. And and so what happens is you have hundreds of years of declining religion. You have the Dark Ages. What is that? Hundreds of years of declining religion after the early church. The church gets plunged into darkness. And that's just a tendency. What do we have today? After all the all the awakenings of the 1700s and the 1800s, we have over 150 odd years of declining religion, I believe. Um, back in the intertestamental period, you had the Persians, you had the Greeks, and they had the Romans. You had all these influences on on the church, all all these intellectuals. And you have the Pharisees come out of that. You have the Sadducees with their intellect come out of that. They don't believe in their uh, resurrection. No, no, no. That's that's uh, fairy tale stuff. Um, you have the zealots. You have you have a de- declension of religion. The gold is becoming covered with dross, and it's just becoming all dirty. Same thing with the Dark Ages. The Catholic Church became this system, this piece of machinery, very man-made, very apostate, and it was very just a form of religion. No heart, no spirit in there. Declension. Dross. And when the Lord comes, He purifies His church. And when the Lord came the first time, He purified the church. He absolutely did. 
he rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he cleared the decks. He purified the church, or began the work of the purification of the church. And that's what happens is the point here. When the Lord comes into our midst, whether it's personally, and I can, I can attest to this personally, I think a lot of you can too. When the Lord meets with us personally, and has been, and it's part of the reason why this is so helpful for it to be a daily thing, because daily we need this. There is a cleansing effect, a purifying effect that the Lord has upon us. And I believe that is what's going to happen when the Lord comes again to His church. Whether it's the Dutch church that we're praying for in South Africa, or the Western churches, or wherever else. It's in decline. It has dross. You can barely see the sheen of the, of the gold in there. You stick that in the blast of the furnace, all the dirt and the grime and the foreign elements get burned away. All you're left with is this pure, beautiful piece of gold. Beautiful piece of gold. That's what the Lord will do. And in fact, he says in verse 17, he calls us his jewels. They shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I was uh, amazed in Isaiah 62, verse 3, it says, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory, speaking about us, his people, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken or desolate. God wants to see us as this beautiful piece of gold that's free of dross and dirt and foreign elements. Pure gold. That's what happens. He will purify the sons of Levi. And then the point of that isn't even that's not the terminus. The point of the purification is to glorify God. In verse 4 it says, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord. It's only from a purified people that we bring glory to God, right? Um, you have plenty of examples throughout the Scripture. In fact, Malachi, that's, a, that's one of the big complaints throughout Malachi, is that the people were doing all these religious exercises, but their hearts were completely in the wrong place, impure, Dross. The Lord doesn't need our money. The Lord doesn't need our sacrifices. He wants our heart. Now, there are commands, obviously, for that, but it's the heart that the Lord wants. I'm just going to play for, the, for you this little clip. I think it's like 20 seconds by Clarence Sexton. He illustrates the point here. I've played this clip before. Here we go. Most of us are so consumed with having the right message but God's desire is for us to be the right messengers. And when we're the right messengers, God will give us the right message. And the vessel that he shapes in that way will be one that he gets great glory from. That's it. We're just so consumed, and, and we should be, about the message. We want the message to be right, the message, the message. You know what? The Lord is concerned about that, but he's also probably even more concerned about us as the messenger, our hearts. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord. When? 
when he purifies the sons of Levi. So even our praying and all the things that we are wanting to do for the Lord and bring it to the Lord as an offering, it must come from a purified life, a life that is devoid of hypocrisy. So this is, this is where the Lord has led me today. I've been very blessed with it, that the Lord shall come, and he shall come suddenly. And I pray that he will, even in our midst, come suddenly, and purify our lives. And then all that we endeavor to do for him, all that we endeavor to do for him, all the witnessing, all the, the works that we endeavor to do, shall be acceptable and shall be pleasant to the Lord. Amen.